Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. We wrap up our division previews with the NL East. It is opening day. It is myself and Sean Coleman breaking down all five teams, including our beloved Philadelphia Phillies. We also do some Masters talk as the Masters begins today. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. As always, though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Search for the bullpen cart wherever you get your pods. Tweet at us. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy the baseball. Enjoy the golf. We finally made it to opening day. Here we go. This episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, the final division preview, and as is tradition, we're doing the NL East. Breaking away from tradition a little bit, because Greg and Stevie G were a little tied up, I am proud to bring back on, the first time for baseball, Philadelphia Sports Radio legendary caller, <laughs> Mr. Sean Coleman. Sean, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh... I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm going to do my best. Um, if I mispronounce anyone's names, uh, you can all go to hell. <laughs> oh, uh, you're talking to the master mispronounced. I'm just mispronounced, mispronounced mispronunciation. So yeah, you're in good company here with uh, with that. But Excellent. we're talking some NL East. Sean, you're a huge Phillies fan. Huge. I ask everybody, Sean, how did you survive the MLB lockout? It, it it was every time that the news came on or I'd hop in the car and was listening to the radio, like obviously being in Philadelphia, like the Eagles get number one love. And then they'd just be like, and we still have no baseball and baseball's <laughs> getting pushed back and we're going to miss the first week. So I was just, I was just getting scared because everyone loves opening day. The Phillies are just like really finally actually starting to make some offensive moves, which everybody loves in this town. We love, we love a long ball hitter and um, yeah, the lockout was not fun. No. It was not fun at all, and it's been a hell of a spring training. We are on the eve of opening day. The Phillies opening day is Friday. We're recording this Wednesday night. Baseball opening day is Thursday, so when this episode drops, hopefully you're getting ready to watch the first games of the, of the season, or you're watching uh, the Masters, which we're also going to talk about a little bit at the end. Obviously, Sean, also a golf extraordinaire, so we will uh, we'll tease that for a little bit at the end, but Sean... Let's jump into it. So you, you mentioned it a little bit with the East and with the Phillies. A lot of additions, a lot of offense coming in, some pitching. Before we jump into the team by team, what is your outlook for this division last year? Is it going to be kind of a dogfight like it was last year? What do you think? I mean, last last year got tight, man. Like, even with the, the Phillies being who they were, like, it was Braves 88, Phils 82, Mets 77, Marlon, like it came down to the wire. Like those last like 20 games, everyone's like, what the heck is going to happen? Like it is just so tight. And then Harper just started to get hot at the right time. Um, I, I, I honestly think, I think it could be another tight one. The Braves, I mean, they lost Freeman, right? Yeah, they lost Freeman, but they added Matt Olson. So they got him mm -hmm. in a trade from Oakland. So they still have a, a power hitting first baseman and, and perfect transition, Sean. You're already a natural at this. But the Braves come in, obviously won the World Series. They won the division last year. Kind of a weird first half for them. They end up losing Juan Soto. He's back now. Uh, gruesome injury, but they made smart deals at the deadline. Their lineup is built incredibly well still, even despite losing Freddie Freeman. Still have a pretty solid pitching staff. I still expect the Braves to be very good prior to some injuries to another team in the division, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I uh was thinking maybe they'd lose their division crown, but I th I still think they're the the class of the division so far. Yeah, it's definitely it's they're going to be a fun team to watch. They're just like that organization that does everything the right way. Like obviously, me and you, we 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 bleed red for the Phillies, but like the Braves, since like as long as I can remember, they've always just been like a quality or almost like the Steelers of the MLB. They just have that pedigree. Yeah, that's a good take. I mean, they're they're really really good team in terms of that. In, in terms of always being around, as you mentioned, the 90s, the early 2000s, really until the Phillies took over, they were, I think the Mets won the division at some point in there. I think they might have won in 06, but the the Braves kept winning. They obviously had the incredible, incredible pitching staff they had. And 
Yeah, I mean, and they had a couple down years in there, but they retooled and really did a lot of really smart decisions to keep their team where they are. They've obviously picked up homegrown talent like none other and unfortunately had to to say goodbye to Freddie Freeman. But now you see them. Um, did I say Juan Soto before I met Ronald Acuna? Um, yeah. yeah. Ah, that's okay. Again, mis- mispronunciation uh, <clears throat> uh, king there. but. Regardless, Ronald Acuna, he's still on the IL right now, so we'll see what happens. They have Adam Duvall backing him up, but when Acuna returns, he's going to be, you know, still was, one of the... What was Acuna's injury? It was a, I think it was a knee injury. ACL, right? right? Something yeah, like ACL. That? He, like, tore it going for a fly ball and ended up mm-hmm. just, yeah, really, I kind of remember watching it. It was pretty gruesome in that, in that regard, but still... They're going to be a really good team. They ha- still have Ozzy Albies. They have one of the best middle infields in baseball of Albies and Dansby Swanson. I know Swanson can be up and down throughout his time, and and but he's still solid. They have Austin Riley over at third. We mentioned Matt Olson, who maybe not the the super average hitter, but he mashes home runs. So he's going to certainly add some power into that lineup. And now with the that, with the University H, what was that? They have that, bull, they have that bullpen, man. It yeah. was just. Just everything they like, that's what they rode. Like that, and from me, like not a really like. Obviously, like I'm a huge Phillies fan, and what baseball I watch, it's like either who's playing the Phillies or who's in the news. But everyone, ever all year, it was just like that's kind of the reason they won the World Series to a degree. Oh, it absolutely is, and they so they end up adding Kenley Jansen from the Dodgers, which is huge because now that bullpen just got even better. Yeah, because I guess with Jackson gone. That's what they did. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to be, I mean, again, they're going to be really, really solid. And, I mean, just adding the universal DH, I think it helps a lot of teams in this division. You know, we're, we're going to talk about the Phillies in a, in a little bit. But it helps them out with seeing, you know, how this lineup is going to develop. And you, know, you have Marcelo Zuna who has been on the team for the last couple of years. He can now maybe not have to play in the field and, and go that way. They have Eddie Rosario over and left now. Or he might have been added last year. But still. Just a really, really well-built team. And I, I like that Steelers comparison because they've always seemed to do it the right way in terms of, you know, having the homegrown talent, as we mentioned, being able to be an attractive free agent location. And they make smart trades. They're really, really good about that. Yeah, their ownership group is something that's also comparable. Just people who fo- they've, they follow the right equation to get what they need. They don't, they don't reach... They don't do anything stupid that, like you said, when they did have to retool in those down seasons, they did it the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And then we mentioned their pitching staff a little bit, but they are very good. Max Fried and Charlie Morton, the one-two punch. Charlie Morton, who is normally really good. I know he's starting to get up there in age. I still feel very strong about him. I, I might have him in fantasy. Um, but Freed is really good, good young player. And, you know, the the rest of their rotation is... A little suspect at times. Um, Ian Anderson apparently left a game with a blister the other day, but is not on the IL yet, which hopefully, you know, that's not anything serious. I think it was a blister on his toe. So hopefully that's not anything serious. Um, here's a name we're really going to fuck up. Enoa, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> and then Mike Soroka, just guys who are, you know, solid enough. And can get the job done. And, and as you mentioned, they have a solid enough bullpen that if they are in a si- situation where a guy's getting pulled in the third or fourth inning, they have good middle relief. And then the back end is is really good and can keep them in in these types of things. And their lineup can certainly help them dig it, dig themselves out of any holes they might get into. Yeah, I I have to agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> well, any last thoughts actually- on the Braves before we keep moving? I didn't know that this was Dan B. Swanson's uh, last year under contract. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, I was just, uh, as like we're talking and um, kind of just doing like my side research um, and seeing like, yeah, this is his last season under contract. So it's either like he's going to play really well because he's looking for the next contract, but he's also um, represented by Excel Sports, which also represents Freddie Freeman. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, that's a good one to know. Um, oh, they apparently added Phil Gosselin, Philly's uh, utility player or former Philly's utility player. He's projected to have, have seven plate appearances, according to Fangraphs. Sean, 
<laughs> they can have them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep moving. So coming in next, the Miami Marlins, who have had a very interesting offseason. They have Derek Jeter stepping down as their CEO, which is probably the biggest news out of there. And they still have a really young, interesting team. But, Sean, what are your thoughts when you see the Miami Marlins coming into 2022? Oh man, they're just they're just that team that's like they've won a World Series or two World Series. Yeah, two World Series. Like they come close, they sniff, they they have so much young talent. They but man, Derek Jeter really has blown the big one in his in his short amount of time there. Yep. (laughs) He he just looks like a mess. For me, who doesn't who someone who doesn't really pay attention to the Marlins besides like it's almost like when you're playing the for for the longest time, it's like, oh, we're Eagles are playing the Lions. They're going to smoke them. Like well, the Marlins, the Phillies. Not. The Phillies couldn't beat the Marlins for shit. Yeah, all year they just had our number, and it was so hard to watch because for the longest time, it's all we did was beat the crap out of them. Yep, and it's nuts. <laughs> but they, uh, you mentioned it, super young team, really kind of a interesting lineup. And if you're, you know, a fantasy baseball player, there's certainly names in there that you want to try to get get your hands on, like Sandy Alcantara, their their number one starter, Pablo Lopez, always kind of a fringe guy. They add Jesus Lazardo, who I believe is still suspended. So that's going to be an interesting wrinkle going into the season for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really think, despite that and everything with, you know, suspensions and, and different players and, and different guys coming in there, you know, I don't think we're going to hear a ton of stories coming out of this team, despite the fact that they have young talent. You're just going to, you know, look at a box score and see that Jazz Chisholm had a really good game or that Alcantara pitched seven shutout innings or maybe, you know, a, you know one run over seven or eight innings or something like that. But, you know, I, I just feel like they're a team that you can't really sleep on. As we just mentioned, they finished in third la- or in third or fourth last year. Um, and really, you know, there's always something going on, but I feel like we're not going to hear a ton about them. No, they just, they just don't grab a lot of headlines. It's not, it's never been their moniker. No. Um, but I think you're right. Like they're, they're kind of, they are a sleeper, man. And, well, and, they're, and they're pretty, and they're pretty healthy coming into the season. I don't think they have any injuries. No, they, well, they, they don't really have any injuries. They still have Sixto Sanchez who got hurt last year. Apparently is still day to day with a shoulder injury. So I don't know how, how bad that is. Cause he's been really good for them. And, and for the longest time, along with Jorge Alfaro killing the Phillies, that looks like a a really unfortunate prospect to let go of, unlike other you know highly touted Phillies prospects that have been included in deals. Kyle, uh, it wasn't Kyle Drabeck, whatever that guy that the Phillies traded for Roy Halladay. That everybody's like, we're going to regret this, and the guy had like a career like five ERA. Um, Sixo uh-huh. Sanchez is not that, but yeah, you're right. They're really healthy. Two years ago, and, and granted, it was a sixty game season. It was COVID, all that. They did make the playoffs. They super expanded playoffs, and you know if they get things going in the right way they, they could surprise some teams so you really can't sleep on them they have guys that are really solid they have Jacob Stallings behind the plate which I feel like is I feel like he's just unsung in terms of catchers especially in the division with JT on the Phillies Travis Darno, who we didn't mention on the Braves and Did he have a full season behind the plate who the catcher St- Stallings yeah um last year he played 112 games so it was a barely full season and yeah, I thought I remember hearing there was like a, a switch early. Um, he, Either. yeah, according to fan graphs, they have him. Yeah. 429 at plate appearances. So him t- taking the brunt of the load with, uh, looks like Peyton Henry behind him at, at catcher. So, you know, it's probably like a, a traditional catcher load of, you know, he plays probably if they play six teams a week, he's going to play five of them. Maybe Henry comes yeah. in for, you know, the later innings or something. I don't know if there's some sort of, you know, pitching dynamic in terms of, you know, how, uh, you know, certain pitchers like to have certain guys like the Cubs did when they won the World Series or uh, what the uh, Tim Wakefield's guy, um, Doug Mirabelli, that guy, if you remember him. Um, mm-hmm. But, but you know, it, I feel like that's a, he's a guy to watch out for just because it's, I don't know, I feel like, again, with JT, with Travis Darno, with other guys in this in this division, I just feel like, again, kind of the same thing we were just talking about. He's just going to go, Kind of unnoticed, kind of like this team, but I think your your take on them being a sleeper is pretty spot on. 
Yeah, young team, you can never count them out, man. And uh, then they just went out and got a dud of a closer. <laughs> yeah, no, their bullpen is nothing really to write home about. I know no. Tanner Scott's getting a little bit of buzz um, in terms of their rotation and seeing that he could be maybe, you know, a good setup guy, but I, I don't totally buy it. I mean, really nothing a ton to write home about outside of that. Maybe maybe the guy they got through their closer could potentially blow up something, but his field independent pitching is over four, which I don't know. That's that doesn't seem totally great. And when, you know, it's above the team average in terms of what the projections are. Um, but yeah, I think total dud is, is probably spot on there. I mean, an ER, projected ERA of, of almost four isn't good. No, <laughs> yeah. not at all. Yeah, especially when you're supposed to be slamming the door shut. Although, who knows, with uh, the way that the rest of the division is constructed, it could be really interesting to see what the if the Marlins are using him a lot for or, or him or Floro as their closer, how they're going to try to build that out there. But I don't know. They're, they, I like the take that they're a sleeper. I still think it on paper, it's a step below the Phillies and the Mets and the Braves. Um, I'm spoiling my projections, but um, that's just kind of where I have them right now in terms of that, unless they really get off to a hot start and, you know, not necessarily catching lightning in a bottle, but they really play some consistent baseball and guys develop and take that extra step. Mm-hmm. As, as you, as you look at the numbers, man, they, uh, they lose a lot when they're not at home. <laughs> yeah. They're not a good away team, except it's a park. Ter- like you look at the Braves, they've got their 46 and 35 uh, away. The Marlins last year, 25 and 56. Jesus. Ugh. That's terrible. That's some terrible away numbers. That is awful. Young awful, team. Awful. Well, let's move on. We go to the New York Mets. I mentioned it before. The Mets. If not for the recent injury news to Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, I was, and this is partially because I'm already sick of the Braves, but I was going to try, I was going to pick the Mets to win the division. I think they've done a lot of really good moves. Steve Cohen has spent a lot of money to try to, to put this team together. And they have guys that have been homegrown talents that have really come into their own like Pete Alonzo, like Jeff McNeil, they are hoping, and I say that with a hard emphasis on hoping, that Francisco Lindor takes a big step up from last year, of kind of a tumultuous up-and-down season in his first year in New York. Um, they added Eduardo Escobar, they added Marcana, Hanna, however you pronounce it, they added Starling Marte, and you know they, they come, come into this year with a really, really solid lineup their pitching staff, they added Chris Bassett, which is huge. It's scary. It's scary. When healthy, their rotation is the best in the division by far. And it's just really, the question now just becomes, when do they become fully healthy? Because DeGrom shut down for a little while. Scherzer has a hamstring injury, so hopefully that's not anything serious. Hopefully he gets back in the lineup soon. Demo's got the neck thing. Exactly. But Sean, what are your thoughts on the Mets? I think I think they're going to be there as well. I mean, the, the division this year was just so tight, and I think that that pitching staff is just going to carry them through a lot of the games. I mean, the Phillies added a lot of offense, so hopefully that they can kind of like trade blows there. But that that lineup is scary good. It is. It's really good. And, yeah, you know, we were mentioning catchers before. James McCann, who's still behind the plate for them, another really solid catcher in this division. Dom Smith is in is in there, and and I just feel like they can really, again, another team that really benefits from a universal DH because they can really just plug and play guys into the field, and if they need to have a blow and not play in the field one day, you can just have them play DH, and you don't need to necessarily have you're not taxed because of it. And they're gonna, you're right, it's scary how good this is gonna be. This is a team that in the Degrom era, notably, just has never really been able to produce runs for him. A guy who has floated around, you know, sub two and a half ERAs. His career average is two and a half. Last year it was a one before he got hurt. And, you know, seeing what could potentially happen for him in terms of getting healthy is going to be, you know, really, it's going to be really important. But I still think the rest of the rotation is really fucking good. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it, it makes you just as a Phillies fan, like look at yourself and go, ah, like, I know what we added in one area, but God, like pitching wins, like pitching wins games, like it really does. brought us a world series, brought us back to the world series. Like ugh. it absolutely does. And it should have brought them in 2011 and then hopefully blew that lead, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I'm trying to get, a, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get an idea here of the DeGrom. How long is he out for? Um, it looks like it's six to eight weeks is probably what it's going to be. So he comes back in June a year ago. The Mets were leading this division. They lost to Grom and they still were playing really well. And they led the division for so long. This isn't meant to be a dig at the Mets. This is more of a, this is why I think the Mets could be really good is that they were able to do. They were able to do really good things with injury problems, with guys starting slow, with guys that were hurt. And, you know, obviously it eventually caught up to him and the Braves just took over even after the Phillies had it for like two days. And, you know, the, the Braves are just that good. But I think with what the Mets did in terms of adding guys, going out and spending the money that Steve Cohen promised he was going to do, they're still a really good team. And I, you know, I, I think they come in second in this division. I kind of gave that away before. And if DeGrom comes back in and is completely lights out, if he comes back June 1st, I mean, I guess eight weeks might be the last Memorial Day, but still, if he comes back in and his lights out right away, I mean, good luck. It's going to be really fucking hard. Yeah. But anyway, Sean, I know that was a quick segment on the Mets, so Mets fans will have Stevie G or and plenty of other Mets people on to heckle me and all that stuff with this fucking lineup. But Sean, let's move <laughs> on to our fight in Phil's. Oh. How you feeling, Sean? Are, are, are we not talking Nationals? Uh, the Nationals oh. come after the Phillies. P comes before Out, W. Out of order. My bad. Uh, the Phillies. <laughs> this, it, it's, it's, I was texting with friends earlier today. They were like, you're going all in, right? You're going all in. I'm like, do, what, do I want to go all in? I went all in after Vic's game against the Redskins. I went all in against Jalen Hurts' game uh, against Atlanta. I went all in uh, <laughs> like <laughs> every time, like someone's about to do something. I forget. There was like one other thing. I was like, I went all in when James Harden came to town. I was like, I don't know if I, if I but any team where Reese Hoskins is like going to be batting seventh and you're, you're two like young guys in, um, in a stat and uh, the other dude. Boom. Um, yeah. Boom are like, you're actually looking forward to seeing those young talents hit. Like, you know, you're in a good spot. Like yeah. it's, it's going to, it's going to be slug fest this year. It's going to be incredible. And the fact that last year there was an actual talking point on the Phillies offense about the center fielder, not hitting a home run until like the middle of June or whatever it was. Oh. When, uh, Matt Williams or Nick Williams hit the, uh, that walk off home run. I think that was the first center fielder home run. That isn't a problem mm -hmm. anymore because the because nope. now the center fielder is at the bottom of your lineup. He's not supposed to nope. hit home runs because nope. they add Kyle Schwarber. They add Nick Castellanos and if Reese is, is as good as God, last year. Yeah, they yeah. still have Harper. They still have real Muto, which people are trying to talk down real Muto saying he's getting old, which I don't know where anything is based off of that. He's still an incredible fielder. And his yeah. offense, that, like, think about it. He used to be the protection for Harper. Now he doesn't have to be because you have Castellanos and, and Schwarber at the t in, in that lineup. You still have Gene. You can pick however you want to lead this team off with, with either Schwarber or Segura, then go into Harper, then, you know, maybe Castellanos, and then JT batting fifth, maybe even sixth if Reese is getting super hot. You're just taking a less pressure off of, off of JT to have to hit doubles and home runs half the time. He can yeah. actually like be the smart hitter that he is, and he can do great things with it. And your slugfest is the perfect way to put this lineup, Shawnee. And you know how people are like they're, they're they don't really they're not as into the the not I don't even want to say the analytic side, but they're not into the the realistic like baseball everyday watching baseball player side where like they see that real Muto's like what like 30 or 31. Like they're like, oh his knees, uh his knees, like you never know. Like they think of Joe Maurer with the twins and they're yeah. just like, oh his knees, he's he's you gotta put him at first base. You gotta do this. But like nah like real real Muto and Hoskins were feeling so much pressure 
last year. Now that pressure is not there because you got guys like obviously their jobs are to hit Reese place first and JT's your 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 catcher who's the, probably the highest paid catcher in the MLB, right? Uh, I think well, so. Well, I don't think anybody. I don't think there's been another catcher contract since his. I think so. so. It's like, but that now they can just f- fucking relax. Like they can watch other guys bomb it and just try to keep up with your teammates not with the you don't got to keep up with the national league (laughs) like you you just gotta you just you want to have fun and they're going to be able to have fun i feel like we're we're, hopefully we run into all them in wildwood (laughs) (laughs) oh my god could you imagine i would die i would empty my savings account (laughs) does bryce harper i don't know bryce does he drink isn't he a morbin i don't know what he does but he's probably still a good time i'm sure he is I know we slugs back some beers. You got to imagine JT does. Yeah, I feel like JT probably does. Reese definitely looks like the fun guy. I mean, honestly, know who's going to be drinking? Schwarber might sneakily be the most fun. Yeah, Schwarber looks like a guy like me and you would hang out with. But I'll tell you what, dude, the person who's going to be drinking the most is Girardi. Because if he doesn't do it this year, he's fucking gone, dude. (laughs) Well, so it's interesting you bring that up. They we talked about this on, I believe it was the AL West podcast, but they added Joe Girardi's former hitting coach from his days of the Yankees that he notably argued with at, um, oh, yeah. and he came in and told, and told Stott to get closer to the plate, right? Yep, exactly. I'm trying to pull up his name now. Um, and yeah, he's done a great job and he's been instrumental for Bryson Stott and for Mickey Moniak, the former over first overall pick who had an incredible incredible spring training and he yeah, and matt fearling like like high three something what was that he like a crazy his era who um you're talking about uh, nola I, now no 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 sorry not i don't mean era batting average yeah it was in mickey monax let me see if i can pull this up uh if they still have spring training stats up but his he had an inc- like he was I think he had a home run today in a game Bryce Harper had two two bombs but the fact that he's fa- finally found something in terms of that cuz for years for years we've been waiting for this guy to do something he got drafted 6 years ago and like yeah he was drafted out of high school and you can say what you want out of that of you know anything and everything there and and so on and so forth but like the fact that he's finally like I think he was supposed to be in like an everyday major league player in like 2019 and the fact that he's finally looking like he's making that turn is just heaven to my ears because it's I always go back to the fucking I forget what NBC Sports Philly guy tweeted it, Sean. But you you definitely remember this this tweet because it's been memed to death recently. But like Philadelphians are going to be really spoiled. They got Ben Simmons, first overall pick, Carson Wentz, second overall pick, Nolan Patrick, <laughs> second overall pick, and now Mickey Moniak, first overall pick. All busts, <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully Moniac breaks the mold. I know. Um, let's see here. Let's see if it's if Yahoo shows his spring training stats. Dude, I bet Bryce Harper wins fucking MVP. I hate to. I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump, but like, no. Before I'm just thinking about the Phillies. Like, he's gonna. He's he's the leader, man. He is the lead in one year. He two years. Yeah, he's the leader of this organization. He has to be, and he loves it. He obviously picked here in free agency and has just fully embraced Philly and everything about the organization and about the team. Obviously, he plays really well in the ballpark. He did when he was a national and obviously did last year as a, you know, the reigning National League MVP. But still, you're exactly right. He is the guy. He shows the passion. He really, you know, he steps up and he. I don't know. He and JT have always been a good duo. And now you add Castellanos, you add a World Series champion and Schwarber just to kind of round out the leadership and the the veteran presence of that locker or the clubhouse. And, you know, depend if they need to use Veerling and Maniac in kind of a platoon type of way in center field, if you end up with Stott and Bohm in a platoon type of situation. And I think it's I think it's going to be really fun to see how this team does. Mm-hmm. Now, do we want to get to the the negative part of the Phillies? Uh, I mean, we have to. <laughs> the pitching. 
Aaron, why do you good. do this to me? Aaron, why do you do this to me? I know. Well, we also didn't mention the the defense. We still that's the one reason why Bohm apparently yeah. lost a starting job. They haven't officially announced the lineup, but everybody thinks Stott is going to be the opening day third baseman. Yeah, and TD had his struggles. Reese had some struggles at first, but normally he's a very good first baseman. And um Bryce is a very good defender in in the outfield. Um Yeah. But we'll have to he see never... what the the rest of the rest of the Castellanos is pretty good, but we'll have to see how it ends up going. Defense is going to be tough, but the pitching and you mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, something would have to go terribly wrong for the defense to be blamed for losses in the for out of the Phillies organization in 2022 right now. I mean, yeah. I yeah. get it. Like your pitch, your your bullpen still is not there. Your pitching, you you don't have the tombstone riders of late. Like you can't depend on like four quality starters. Like you, there's going to be balls flying around. But I mean, sometimes offense is just going to win it for you. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of. Uh, a lot of high scoring games I'm debating trying to build I don't think I'll actually bet it because I might go broke on it trying to bet baseball overs which is probably one of the dumbest bets you can really try to go off of but um, yeah let's let's start on the rotation because we have Nola is the opening day starter Zach Wheeler is hurt right now should or he's just not fully there but he should be good to go um, relatively soon, but you have Nola, who a couple of years ago looked like he was going to be the guy, and then you know turned, you know, just kind of blew up the last couple of years, and you're hoping that he turns that around. But still, a guy who can he can pitch some innings for you. And I know previous to that, at the start of the Gabe Kapler era, you know there was the injury concerns and all that, and then he certainly proved that wrong in the 2018 season. Wheeler when healthy is going to be really solid. I love Zach Eflin. I think I know he can be really up and down at times, but I think when he's on, it's Eflin mania and it's awesome. Uh, And then you get to the back half. You have Kyle Gibson, who they added last year at the trade deadline, who has been, he's been an experience. (sighs) Sorry if all my outsize is just so painful. No, it's fair. Um, I had to turn off my mic because I was cracking a beer, and I think that turning on the mic noise might sound worse on the podcast, so next time I'll just crack open a beer on the air. But, um, yeah, no, it's he was such a weird ad because they added him and Ian Kennedy. Kennedy's not here anymore. Um, that experience did not go well. The Phillies bullpen is cursed. We'll get to them in a minute. Um, yeah, he's just he's going to be your number four guy. I mean, I'll just address him now. Ranger Suarez, who a lot of – pundits are really high on in terms of him being a really solid starter um you're only lefty in the starting rotation right now I'm worried about that the fact that so many people whether you look at fantasy sleepers you see projected stats you see guys on tv talk about them a lot of the times those guys end up being you know it, it you get such high expectations I don't want to say overrated because I don't think he's anywhere good, good enough to get that sort of moniker. But a lot of the times, those high expectations, if you will, from you know all the different stuff I just listed, it usually goes south. So I'm not sold on whatever hype that people are trying to build out of Ranger Suarez. Dude, I'm looking now. A lot of people are big on it. Like apparently, is uh, he hit 94 the other day? Yeah. Um, with his fit, like the it's weird like the 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 emphasis people put on like the make or break players and it's like you see Bryson Scott Ranger Suarez Sir Anthony like those those people are gonna have like some sort of major impact but it's like yeah but are they though like this is what you're looking for yeah (laughs) this is what you're investing stock and thinking about like I get it he started some games last year he like he came out of the bullpen a lot. His ERA looks fantastic at at one point three. But like, and he had some good starts towards the end of the season. He he pitched a shutout against against the the Pirates. Phillies um, Sports Network has an article says the Phillies twenty twenty two season rides on Ranger Suarez. If they I just, only knew what was coming it. a little later. Like I get it. He he started games towards the end of the year, and he had really two really good final starts where he got wins in both of them. But he also, like, I just don't see it. I, 
I get worried on the fact that like, yeah, you have an article like that saying it depends on Ranger Suarez being your number three starter. I, I really, a, I just get worried about that kind of thing. Is there a city that can't develop talent as much as Philadelphia, dude? Like what the fuck is wrong with us? All these first round picks, all these, all this, and we can't develop shit. No. <laughs> Especially the Phillies, man. They have been awful to watch. And, and, yeah. uh. Well, it's crazy because the, the World Series and the five division runs was all homegrown talent. And then they added a couple free agents here and there. They obviously added Halliday and Lee from trades. But yeah, in, in recent years, there's... But those I, guys were also special. Yeah, like, they were we also special. We, we haven't been able to like add the guys that are just there and, they, and, they're, and they're solid and you can look for them. Like on a daily basis to just like show up and not do something stupid. Yeah. I, I can't remember if I saw this on Instagram or, or uh, Twitter, but there was somebody being like, it's 2000, it's 2012. Don Brown is the future of the Phillies. It's, 2000, oh it's 2015. Michael Franco is the future of the Phillies. It's 2018. Scott Kingery is the future of the Phillies. It's 2022. <laughs> Bryson Stott is the future of the Phillies. Uh, do you remember Don? What could, couldn't we have gotten a huge um, pay payout for Don Brown? Like we could have gotten something really nice in return, and we said no. I think he was rumored. The so way before Derek Jeter traded John Carlo to the Yankees, there was a rumor the Phillies were going to try to trade for him, and I think he was in on that. But I don't know if that was actually real. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of rumors, a lot yeah. of speculation. Yeah, the, yeah, there there were a bunch of guys though that they could have tried to figure out some sort of throw this guy in before people figure it out or do the the change of scenery type of trade and yeah, the Phillies just kind of let you know fizzle out here and then some guys have really just turned into in into solid players on their own. Darren Ruff is still kicking it over in in San Francisco and the Phillies fucked him up a ton. Well, Jordy, I have very good news for you because Don Brown is back in Philly. No, it, but he's not. But he's not with the Phillies. He is 32 years old, and he's working at the Athletes Academy, not far from you. He's in East Norton. <laughs> oh, well, good for Don Brown. Is he from Philly? Why did he come back here? I have no, so many guys come back to Philly, dude. We just you can retire in Pennsylvania. There's there, there's so much uh, capital to invest in here for yeah. I guess so. With athletic careers, a lot of realtors out there. <laughs> I guess so. Um, I guess they also Mike Piazza has a uh, an auto dealership and they want some of that. Yeah, they need a Honda. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, let's let's talk about the bullpen. You mentioned it a little bit. It's not totally there. They quote unquote revamped the bullpen and they add in some guys who are names, but I don't totally buy into. Is that a, a fair assessment there, Sean? I think that's a very fair assessment. When when Philly's when Philly Sports Radio isn't blowing up about any additions, you know you didn't make a, a large enough addition. Yeah. And as being as someone who listens in ninety four one and ninety seven five, like on a daily basis, like you, you haven't heard you haven't heard shit. Everything is just about what's our latest attempt to fix. What's it going to look like? It appears like all those adjectives they they don't smell like something like that that uh, that we can hang our hat on. <laughs> No, not at all. I mean, so to name these names, they add in Corey Nebel, they add in Yuri's Familia, they add in Brad Hand. Jesus. All names, all have had their moments of glory and being solid enough pitchers. All immediately fit the Phillies' bullpen. Uh, They like to let up home runs, so that's fun. The big one, though, that you mentioned his name before, but Sir Anthony Dominguez returning to the Phillies for the first time since 2019. Like, yeah, like two years. Yeah, because well, so for people to know the story of this, he basically, during COVID, he went back to the Dominican Republic and because he was in the DR and because of like COVID travel restrictions and everything, he had some sort of surgery he had to get, but he couldn't get it until last year. Insane. Yeah, it's just a nuts situation. So they still have him. They still have Connor Brogdon, who I think he might be hurt. Uh, I don't see it on Fangraphs, but I thought I read something that he there's there's something that he's dealing with. Um, they still have Jose Alvarado, who I fucking hate. They still have Sam Coonrod, who I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, but he reached 100. He reached 101 on his uh in one of his uh, first spring appearances with his fastball. Fun. 
It's just going to go that much faster out of the stadium when he lets up a fucking bomb in the ninth inning. <laughs> that was the Steven Strasburg thing. If he threw so fast that you only needed oh, to take a three-quarter swing. Against Ryan Yarbrough, three pitches, and he... Uh... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> got some got some live action there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, their bullpen is going to be still not that great. I think in this in this situation of where their rotation is, they might have some games where they're up 7 nothing, but as soon as Wheeler... If the if the Suarez hype is that is real or Nola figures something out, you know they're up huge. It's still a fucking complete and utter liability with that bullpen coming in in the seventh or eighth inning to see what's going on there. And yeah, it it it's going to be like the start of the 2019 season, the first year of Bryce, where they were in first place in the division at the end of the at the end of April, but they were like scoring seven runs a game and letting up four or five runs a game. And, and that's the other time I remember, I remember being at like a couple of the early games in the 2019 season where we, we went, we were winning like lots of games. And I was like, here we go. And I went all in and what happened? I got fucking let down, Jordy. <laughs> well, so that is a positive now though, is that previously if Bryce and or JT and sometimes mainly last year before he got hurt, Reese were going on these cold streaks, it was painful to watch this offense. But as you mentioned before, now there's a lot less pressure. Now guys, yeah. there's other guys in that lineup to build around and see them, you know, they're, they're going to pick each other up. And even if a guy is 0 for 4 for a couple games, it's not going to be that big of a deal because you have guys that, A, get on base, but can also hit for power. You're going to have a ton of opportunities to get runners in scoring position, and you're not going to need to rely on two and a half, because I'm going to just say two and a half for Reese in the, in the, Bryce, the Bryce Harper era. Mm-hmm. guys to have to do it because now you have more dudes in there and if Moniac, Stott, Bohm, even Veerling, you know, depending on who's in the lineup towards the bottom of there or even Didi if he's on fire, you know, if they're on, if they're playing well, just even better. Oh no, Jordy. I just read some terrible news. Uh-oh. <laughs> Nick Castellanos bought Ben Simmons' house. <laughs> oh, I saw that. How fucking funny is that? <laughs> oh, I'm not smart enough to make a meme of the... And that's a deep drive to left by Castellanos to make it a four four nothing game. But there is some version of that meme to shit on Ben Simmons. Oh my god, <laughs> it's fucking incredible. This town loves to make its own news. <laughs> really does. <laughs> oh man. Well, any other thoughts on the fills before uh, before we move on to the last team? Um, nothing I can say. Just uh, Brogdon, if you're going to suck, just suck and get hurt so you can get out of there. Yeah, I'm Googling <laughs> this. I thought I read something about Connor Brogdon that he, like, isn't Bro, starting he the team. Dog shit. What was it? That he's, his, his fastball slows dog shit. <laughs> oh, that might have been what I read is that his fastball lost some speed. Oh, God. Yeah. Which, 21, uh, 98 miles an hour. Now, 92. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ugh. Well, that's fun. But let's move on to the final team of the division, the Washington Nationals, who, um, well, uh, it's been a long three years since their World Series title, Sean. Gee, talk about a fall from grace, man. (laughs) Yeah, so the actual team where Juan Soto resides, uh, he is by far and away their best player. And the real reason to tune into them and watch what they're doing um, I would take him if I were starting an MLB team tomorrow. I would start it with Juan Soto. Yeah, uh, that's a fair assessment because he is that good, and he and he's young. Like he's just he can do. There's nothing he can't do. Yeah, and yeah, I mean that you know they have other guys in that lineup. Cesar Ramirez or Cesar Hernandez in there. Nelson Cruz is on the Nats now, which helps with the fact that the that the what's it called the Universal DH is there, which. We didn't mention, or we did mention with a little bit with the Phillies of the University age being a big, a big help there. But yeah, with the Nats, it's just, it's tough because they basically gutted that team in the trade deadline a year ago. And who knows if, if the expanded playoffs are, if they existed last year, what does that team look like is probably one of the best questions you can ask because they probably don't trade Schwarber, they don't trade Scherzer, and they still try to like, just retool here and there to figure out what they're doing. 
they were like the team they were the team known for just like staying relevant they were uh, it, it's really uh, i mean i'm a phillies fan so i don't care but it's sad it's like and i hope a nationals fan is listening and they hear me say that guys your team is sad <laughs> yeah it's tough and oh man you know who's on the nationals now who michael franco oh have fun <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, well, because I was going to point out a fun quirk of Yahoo is that when guys get hurt, and they did this in the NFL season when guys have COVID, they just disappear from their death chart. And if you go on the Yahoo Washington Nationals death chart, there's just no one at third base. So I went into fan graphs to see, like, well, who's there? And Carter Kierbroom is hurt. And then it's Michael Franco with the other lion's share of at-bats for them. That third, he is, that third base is going to look like trash all year. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Good luck there, as you just yeah. said. A guy who, he might have been the greatest eight hitter in baseball history for that one month. Remember that when he had like five home runs? I think it was the first Bryce Harper year. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot else. I mean, he, to wasn't meant, he wasn't meant to be a starter, so like, it's not like they, they sought him out. Like, it yeah. just happened because of injury, but like. And now, now he has to be. Yeah, you're exactly right. But yeah, I mean. I don't know. Other positives. You still have Patrick Corbin, who has been kind of, he's been there for you. You know, he's been a little up and down throughout the years. And obviously, he was a big part of that World Series run and, and seeing everything there. But I don't know. They're really, they're really hoping a lot from a number of these guys that they can really step up. Yeah. Corbin had almost a six ERA last year in 31 starts. I mean, that's just tough to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ruiz is definitely going to be fun to watch on that team too. He's only going to—he's—he's young, so he's only going to get better. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 going to be tough, and I mean, is is Steven Strasburg? When does he come back? It's just his day to day, but yeah, I mean, he's he's also a fun guy to watch. He obviously got paid after they won the World Series, so they have guys. But at this point, you just have to wonder what are they going to do they're going to get their asses handed to them by the division. Like they don't have, they don't have enough. Like they're, they're, they're going to look like the Phillies of two years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, you mean before Bryce Harper before Bryce Harper? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, they were okay. Uh, In the 2020 COVID season, they, uh, I don't know the 60 game season. I don't really count. Um, Although Bryce Harper was very good in that season, but still, yeah, they're, I mean, I, Let's just roll right into projections that I think it's pretty safe to say it's Nationals Marlins as four five or as five four, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, there's a drastic step between the Marlins and the Nationals. And then between the the Marlins and, and the top three, I think it's still I like the sleeper status on them, but I still think it's a step because I think you have to have so many things go the right way for them for them to really be a serious, serious threat. What is the spring training record of all the teams right now in in the in the in the East? Um, like, the, the Phillies lead the division. They're, yeah, they're the Phillies t- were Phillies ten and seven. Yeah. Then it's Atlanta, then the Mets, then Washington at the very bottom. Yeah, Washington <laughs> only winning four spring training games, which you know it's it's preseason. You know, infamously the the Browns would go four and zero and then zero and sixteen. So it's never. Never a total indicator, but it it certainly helps to start the winning culture right away. But yeah, yeah it's just a, it's a diet litmus for uh, what's to come. Yeah, diet litmus. I like that. So, Sean, I mentioned it before. I have the Phillies third just because of the pitching. I just until I see the pitching really step up, I just am too worried about it for me to really think that they have a shot at breaking the top two in the division. I think they're going to be right there in the wild card race, but I I just can't in good conscience without being a total homer, put them in the top two. Nah, Phillies are top two with me. There, okay. There's no way the, the Mets are – the pitching is what they have. And if the pitching is in flux at the beginning of the season, it's just – then you're going to be waiting time for everything to start to click. Um, so, I mean, I can't imagine a world where the Phillies offense can't really just be that glue – that gets them to where they need to go in this division. Like n- nothing is besides the Braves being who the Braves are captain consistency. Like the Phillies, they're good. They're going to hold their own and they're definitely going to overpower teams. 
and they're going to be fun, dude. They're going to bring, they're going to bring a vibe. They're going to be on sports center. They're, they're going to be on ESPN all the time. Like they're just, I'm praying, I'm praying that like these guys just become like just world beaters. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. And, and I think it's worth noting though, just to your Mets point that the Braves on July 31st were 52 and 53 and then finished the season you know, obviously winning the division, they won 88 games. They had an incredible August. And, you know, it, so by the time DeGrom gets back, I just think, that, granted, they have to really, really have it going. But at that point, once DeGrom comes back, but I just don't think that you have, like, it's not the, it's how you finish, right? So it's never really totally out of it, especially if this division is as big of a dogfight. As I think we both think it will be. So I'm, I'm not going to count them out yet because if it if they're pitching rounds into form and they're just mowing down teams, I think you're right. The Phillies can overpower teams, especially on their you know teams back halves of the rotation. But the top halves, especially if Scherzer and Degrom are just one two Cy Young guys, it's just tough to think that they're not. And especially the additions to their lineup, unless serious injuries happen or any serious regression, that they're not going to be a a serious competitor in this division. Yeah, I mean. Hopefully Starling Marte and his 31-year-old bat can do a lot for the Mets. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just, besides the pitching, I'm not, I'm not saying it, man. Like I, I get it. Like they went on a tear last year late and then they completely fell the fuck apart. Yeah. Like, and like, I, 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 I'm going to, I got to say it. No, it, it, I believe that too. It's a, them and the Phillies are both, I'll see it when I believe it teams, but the Braves, I think, They've earned it. They've earned it, and they're very good. They're going to be very fun to watch, unfortunately, because I fucking hate the Braves. I fucking hate the Mets. But I'm hoping I'm reverse jinxing it by putting the Phillies in third. There's no real team in, in as a Philly homer that I I just, like, despise other baseball teams. Like, yeah, fuck Dallas. And when, when it comes to the Flyers, I'm like, yeah, I mean, Islanders go to hell. Like, yeah. But with the Phillies, man, it really is just like, yo, Mets, go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. And they feel the same exact way. There was no better feeling than when the Phillies swept the Mets. I went to two of those games that first weekend in August. And one of the days, some Mets podcast or group bought out the entire second deck. I talked about it on the show before. They bought out the second deck where Harry the K's is in left field. And they... The Phillies almost blew it, but they lost, and it was incredible. All the Mets fans <laughs> left early, and then the Mets almost came back, but it was incredible. It felt so good. I find nothing more satisfying—actually, the most satisfying is beating the Dallas Cowboys, but beating the Mets and beating the Braves, there's nothing like it. Maybe the Penguins for hockey. I don't really have a basketball team I could pick. I, maybe the Celtics, I guess. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe, maybe if— uh, the Sixers just play if they play the Raptors in the playoffs and they sweep them. I'd feel pretty good about that just because of the four bounces. But um, yeah, I fucking hate the Braves and the Mets. But the funniest is like not to shit on the Nationals anymore, but the Nationals, they love to like it's the Capitals do the same thing, too. When they beat the Phillies or they beat the Flyers, they go apeshit. And I don't know where that yeah. comes from. Nah, I don't know. Deep seated uh, Cro-Mag blood. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right, Sean, normally we do a fantasy draft at the end of this, but for the sake of time, because I want to talk about some golf, we're going to skip that. But let's talk about the Masters. By the time that you, are, you, the listener, are listening to this, the golf tournament will be underway, the tradition unlike any other. Shawnee, we've officially made it to spring. Augusta is here. Is there anything prettier than Augusta right now? Even looking at it on TV, it looks like green carpet. Every... every out of bounds like marker and hazard like everything is just perfect right now it's it's painfully beautiful to look at like i feel like I, i'm i i don't even deserve to look at it on tv uh and, and tiger <laughs> like god damn like this dude like he, 17 months was it like that he, he was injured and he's just gonna like he he made a conscious decision someone asked him like hey tiger do you think you can compete and win he's like yes, yes. like the guy's gonna come in cold-blooded and do what he does and that's what the greats do that's why michael jordan like people thought michael jordan was cold no he was focused people think tiger woods is cold no he's focused and that's why those people 
win. Wayne Gretzky was cold. No, he was focused. Not everyone's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Like there's a reason why they're going to go down remembered as the greats. And Carson Wentz is not. <laughs> <laughs> I love the pot shot. But <laughs> I think for this year, well, first of all, with Tiger, it's just incredible. One of the best comeback stories, you know, again, I mean, he had the obviously he won three years ago and completing that he's, he's never going to win again. He's never going to do it. And he just knows that course so well. Every mm-hmm. inch of that place, he, I don't know, he might have like a model replica at home and he just fucking studies it because he is that cold, that calculating. And I was seeing some stats in his, in his Tuesday practice round. He was hitting the ball like his ball speed was in like the 110s. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely insane to think that they had to use the jaws of life to pull him out of a car in February of 2021, 14 fucking months ago, less than that, because it was the end of February. And, or no, maybe it was January, whatever the Riviera tournament is. Um, no, that's, Febu- that's February. But anyway, um, it's just so incredible to, to hear. And if he were to win this thing, I mean, everybody talks about Hogan and there's obviously the plaque, the plaque at Marion and you know the one iron and the story there because he also was in a car accident and everything that this is right up there he's one of the greatest to ever fucking do it i mean even if he just finishes the tournament he makes the cut walks all four rounds because that's like the one thing that you're hearing about from some of his closest friends freddie couple said that of like he looks really good but can he walk the four days is the real test i hope he can we've seen sometimes when his back has really been struggling like I, I always remember 2015 U.S. Open at, at Chambers Bay, where he his back was just completely fucked up. He didn't make the cut, and he really just, he couldn't get it going. And I remember because it was in the Pacific Northwest, I remember watching that round, that Friday round at a bar in Philly. <laughs> but like, and people like it was cool to watch golf at a bar for one. But like, just seeing that and seeing where he's gone and where he went back down to and where he is now, it's just incredible. But the rest of the field, I think what gives Tiger and other champions, because there's rain that's supposed to be coming in tomorrow morning into Augusta. Yeah. I think what gives past champions such an edge and guys that have played in the tournament forever is the experience. Because you always hear that about guys first times at the Masters, guys second times at the Masters. They're still learning the golf course. They're still learning this. Because Augusta's so unique in the course design, in the way that those greens are constructed, all the false fronts, all the undulation, how precise you have to be with your chipping and putting. I think even with wet conditions where you're thinking, oh, guys can just throw darts, not necessarily. And having a a championship there under your belt just does such wonders for you. So tomorrow's going to be really interesting. Thursday, when you were listening to this listener, it's going to be really interesting to watch to see how guys come out Friday, seeing seeing if guys can really take off and and see what they're doing, but it's it's gonna be fun, and I just I love that it's back. It already looks pristine, even with fucking cloudy weather. It's the best week of the year, and I'm glad opening day happens to fall on the same day as Masters or the Master the first day of the Masters. It's just incredible. Oh man, this is so many like this field, dude. There's there's just so many people to like look forward to and watch. It's, uh, I was watching the par three today and and just watching um Tom Watson, uh, and uh, who's the black the Gary Player and the I can't remember the third guy's name, but they were like playing the par three contest. And they all teed off and didn't Faldo play? I'm sorry, didn't Faldo play in it? I, I believe he did. Yeah. Um, and but I, like because I was watching in between meetings, and they all three of them put it right next to the pin, and I'm just like, oh god, this place, this place fucks. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, man, and yeah, I mean, I think out of guys that have never won there before that have really good shots. Obviously, the top ten is all really, really good. I really think the guys that won majors last year in a really prime spot to do it. I in my Calcutta. I have John Rahm on my team. He was our first overall selection, so very heavily invested in him. I also really like Morikawa. I think both of them, the way they play golf, the way that they've been able to close out Sundays at a major, I think if they can get that... I'm putting putting money on Brooks. Yeah, Brooks isn't a bad pick. I feel like he's kind of slipping just because of he had the wrist injuries and he's had all the 
the weird shit with Bryson. Then he had the thing where he shoved the camera where he, I, I think he thought the guy was filming him, but I think he was filming his wife or girlfriend or I don't know if he's married. But, um, you know, he's yeah. had the weird up and down, but that's not a bad one. He's been right there in Masters tournaments before. So he, you know, is, he, he is almost the, won in 2019. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he, you know, he put a ball in the water on 12, you know, and now you kind of learn again, just the experience of playing more and more and more rounds at Augusta of just what to do, what not to do, how to play certain shots. Like the key to 12 on Sunday is with that pin on the right is go to the left. You put it there, take your two putt and be glad you didn't put it in race Creek. I would like to, I would like to see JT do something. Yeah, I, I would too. I I think if he and I just said this in a, a group where it's a one and done type of thing, you pick five golfers, you can't pick him again. Of we were debating and picking JT for this. And I just think he, he doesn't put he doesn't putt good there, man. And yeah, he doesn't putt good there. I think if, if he's gonna win a major this year, I feel like the country club might suit him really well in the US Open. I don't know where where's the PGA? It's in Oklahoma. Like that might suit him well. I don't think he could win a British Open just because that's I don't think that fits his style of game. But maybe he can. I mean, he's a good golfer. But um, it's going to be really, it's going to be fun. And I think, and we didn't even mention this. How about fucking Matsuyama's dinner? Delicious. That is one of the, that is a great menu. And I heard he did his entire speech in English, which he practiced really? a lot. Yeah, and all the guys were like super emotional about it. They were like, you could tell how much he cares and how much time he put into it. So, and he doesn't speak English. So like. But he's like coming. He's come a long way since like from where he used to be. So yeah, that like really won a lot of guys. I mean, he everyone already likes his game and the respect he has for the game, and obviously that country loves him for winning the Masters and for all he's done. But man, to come in and do something like that on the as a as the last year's winner, like that's scary, dude. Yeah, that's really awesome. I didn't I didn't hear that part. I did see yeah. something of like of some guy thought his translator might have been the first non-winner to be at the Champions Dinner. But I guess I guess Angel Cabrera had a translator too, so he had a guy come in, um, mm-hmm. you know, being Argentinian and and you know being a native Spanish speaker. But um, yeah, Hideki, he's just such a lovable dude. I mean, even before he won a major and was just always around, he'd won some tournaments. I think he got to world number one at one point. But you'd always hear like he, you know, obviously from Japan, so he didn't speak a ton of English, but he'd like learn little bits of shit talk and he'd always like if you could speak Japanese with him he was like hilarious but he'd always find like little ways to just like the only couple words he'd say in English would be like these little digs and just like have the shit eating grin on his face and people just loved him and then finally obviously he wins last year the caddy doing the bow the exact opposite of Bryson calling at a fucking par 67 it's he's just he's the man and it's it's awesome to hear that kind of a story and just how well respected he's been and that he'll continue to be that guy he's going to be a guy that we'll see in 20 30 years of he's at the champion center being being the life of the party he's at the part three maybe he's a guy that's one of the first opening tee shot guys at some point it'll all be pretty cool does vj singh still play in the masters that's a really good question i don't know if he does or not um him and freddie freddie couples playing it let's see i'm Googling this now if he's playing 2022 Masters Tournament. And let's see here. Past champions in the field. It looks like... Um, yeah, VJ is playing. No, dude, that dude, he's so selfish, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he's playing, playing at a Corn Ferry event, and now he's going to, like, the dude... Yeah, he's just such a weirdo, but I like, I love it. Well, it's always the best thing about this is that you get the guys like Mike Weir's playing in it. What the fuck has he done? Fucking yeah. Padre Harrington's playing in it, and I just watched him play in a, a in a senior event the other day. Well, yeah, Bernard Langer, the the yeah. ageless wonder, he's doing it. There was a uh, better, better uh, now than he was back in the day, dude. Oh yeah, there was um. I think I sent this in our group chat, but there's a. Uh, a video of a of it turned out it was a guy narrating every hole, but each all eighteen holes are narrated by different golfers, and it it leads you the title leads you to think that they're actually going to talk and be the guys doing it. And I I don't know everybody's voice down pat. The first couple guys are are Americans, so it's 
you know, just generic white guy voice. And then I think the third hole is Bernard Langer, and it's definitely not his voice because he's German. It's just some American guy. And I realized, like, oh, it's just some dude from Golf Digest reading what they wrote kind of thing. But it was it was Langer that made me made me realize it, not the first couple guys. Oh my god. But I mean, it's gonna be really fun to see. I mean, I didn't even mention Xander. I think he's a guy that's really close. A guy that's a really hot pick, but I'm not totally sold, and I'd love to hear your thought on this, is Cameron Smith. I mean, putting wins there and his putting has been he's had you could are you could say arguably that he's had the best putter in 2022 so far. Yeah, that's fair. That's a really fair point. And he's been good in the last couple of years. Dude, I saw him at the when I was at the BMW last year um, at Caves. And, man, that dude, he is he is everything they say he is. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just does the same thing every time. Like, most of them do. They all have great balance and posture when they're, like, standing and, and, and their routine and stuff like that. But, man, because I was able to, like – you can kind of watch like three holes at a time there in some areas. And I, I, I watched him at a three hole stretch and he did the same thing every single time. That's awesome. That is incredible. I mean, were you there for the, were you there on Sunday for the, the epic playoff? I was. Oh my God. I, I was right on the left side of the fairway. Every time that they, uh, Patrick and Bryson drove back down because they had to go to, then they went to 17 and then they came back to 18 and then they went to 17 and went back to 18. Yeah. That's fucking incredible. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be fun. Do you have any, uh, any sleeper pick that you uh, think people should look out for or while they're watching this weekend? Siwoo Kim. Ooh, that's a good one. That's yeah. a really good one. I've been watching. I've been just, he, he's, he's, he's been in everything lately. Yeah. And I, I, I just think for he he's been making cuts and a lot of a lot of top twenties like the guy is I think I think he could be sl- sl- kind of sleepy maybe even Adam Scott dude I mean the guy's yeah. won it before he's kind of like starting to show some of that form again um, so he could be like a deep deep sleeper yeah that's a good one I was gonna I say like, I feel like Rory doesn't even make the cut dude yeah I so I love Rory. And I've picked him in the pool I'm hosting, which you should join. Um, Sean, obviously you, the listener, it will, the tournament will already start if you didn't join, but um, yeah, I, I love Rory and I want him to finally do it, but I don't know. He's played some really good golf, but he just never, he either comes in like fifth place at, at the masters, including when he blew it 11 years ago, or he just completely blows up. And I don't know, like with the rain, how he's going to do with it. Like, and I like I pick him in that. I'm probably going to pick him on on DFS just because I I don't want to have it be the year that I don't pick him for it. But it's just going to be so tough because it really is. He like tried to get super bulky like Bryson, and he like kind of lost himself. I think was the quote he said. And I I just I got to see it. I got to see him be back there in a major to really really believe in it. Yeah, it, it's just not there. Like. Uh, nobody like you said like you really like Rory I really like Rory but I just don't so a little technical difficulty there recording the end of the show so apologies that that thought got cut off but we were wrapping up anyway a special thanks to Sean for hopping on to talk some baseball talk some golf appreciate you all listening make sure that you subscribe to the bullpen cart wherever you get your podcasts follow us on Twitter Thunder BLG Thunderblog Sports We finally made it to opening day. We finally made it to the Masters. Let's go, Phillies.